Welcome to the media ministry of Crossroads Church Aspen. To learn more about Crossroads, visit our website at ccaspen.com. We hope you enjoyed this message by Pastor Steve Woodrow. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody good? Excellent, excellent. Good to see you all here. A couple announcements, and we're going to dive in this morning. Um, His Love, many of you might not be aware, but we have a, a church in the inner city of Denver called His Love Fellowship, a great church. We've served with them for gosh, eons. And um, every year they do a a Thanksgiving outreach and a Christmas outreach. And obviously this year, because of all the COVID restrictions and everything, their their, uh, food outreach at Thanksgiving is, they're expecting it to be much, much bigger. So um, just want to make it available. Anybody who feels led to give to that. How many of you have actually gone there and helped serve yet that uh, with that during that time? It's an awesome uh, thing to be a part of. If anybody wants to go down and, and do that, um, talk to us. We can definitely help arrange that with them down there. But you can go online. Um, again, thanks to the, everybody who gives online at the church, just through our webpage. You can go give online. And if you do online, they'll, you can just look at the, uh, all the different categories. And one of them is His Love Fellowship. Just hit that one. You can donate that way. Or if you write a check, you can just in the memo line um, put His Love Fellowship for that, for the, Chris, for the Thanksgiving and the uh, Christmas outreach. Christmas outreach uh, is a little different. They provide um, some Christmas help for some of those inner city families. So it's a great, a great thing to be a part of. Just want to let you know about that. We'll mention it a few other times. So um, I think that is it. The last thing, just everybody with obviously this whole COVID thing going on, just help us, if you would, wear your mask inside. And then when you leave out of your seat, that would be wonderful. Um, if you'll help us uh, with that, that during this time, um, that would be wonderful. Um, Obviously, we've got a few things going on this week, don't we? And, uh, um, a few important things happening this week and around the world. I mean, it seems like, gosh, there's just all kinds of stuff happening. So we started this series, Revival Church in Politics. We're going to bring all these together and, uh, and just really take some time to think about just the flow of these, how these all are connected, especially in this time. And uh, just try to encourage ourselves. Uh, obviously, that we need an awakening. I, I don't think anybody's going to argue the desperation we need of revival, personal revival inside our hearts. That flows over to the growth of that in the church as we gather together. That should overflow into um, to, uh, to the city, to the nation, ultimately. And we're in desperate need of that. And that's what we're trying to press in during this, during this series, right, to really awaken um, some of those those things. Um, this morning, I want us to dive in on this idea. It's chi- time change Sunday, and obviously we gained an hour. That was great, huh? Wouldn't it be great to be able to kind of gain an hour whenever you wanted to, to actually, right, change the time? I think we'd all love that, and uh, I want to really press in on that this morning, this idea of expecting a time change. And to realize that when revival comes, when salvation comes to us, when we experience salvation, do you realize that your concept of time and how you live radically changes, transforms? Uh, In the Bible, there's several different words for the word time. And um, I just want to break this down a little bit for us this morning. Three of the most important ones used in the Bible in the New Testament, which was written in Greek, 
um, is chronos. Now, chronos is one that we all understand. It's, it's the, what we, you know, we look at our watch. Chronos is we have appointments. We live under chronos, the rising of the, of the sun in the morning, the setting of the sun at night. Chronos uh, is that scientific linear view of time that we all are bound to right in this world. Uh, that is chronos. There's another kind of time that the Bible speaks about. It's called kairos. And this view of time is relational. It's a divine moment view of time. So when you're reading your Bibles and you see things like, and it was just the right time for Jesus to enter Jerusalem, and things like that, that is kairos. In other words, it's not a a chronos view of time. There's something divine happening. There's a purposefulness to that time. There's something that, that transcends the chronos view of time. God's interjecting into chronos, into the daily routine with a divine moment moment with a divine purpose. And the third really important one is I own, and I own is the idea of eternity, a long span of time all the way out to eternity. So here's the deal. When someone meets Jesus, when we accept him and see him as Lord and Savior in our life, and the Holy Spirit comes in and redeems us, is and that part of that process is it's an opening. It is a divine moment. It's a kairos moment in our life where in the midst of chronos, living our scientific kind of view, a linear view of time, is that God comes down into our world. He comes into our, our chronos, our daily life, and he awakens us to the idea of I own. He awakens us to eternal life. He awakens us to a whole different idea of seeing the world, which is now eternity, not just chronos, that my life is going day to day, and that one day, as we all, will die, and that's chronos. We're done. That's how we live, right? For that is that now, for a believer, Jesus, that taught talks about what is eternal life. He says to know Jesus and the one and only Father. And we enter into that. We're to have a whole different perspective on life and our view of time. Does that make sense, everybody? And most of the time, I think when we talk about salvation, the forgiveness of our sins, receiving the grace of God, we don't really understand the magnitude of what God does through his spirit into our life, our intellect and everything else, that we, are, we enter into a new form of time, a new form of viewing life, not just chronos, but kairos, and I own. And until, in other words, our, our span is not just the looking at this life when it's done. Eternal life is a whole new way of living. And Jesus promised, right? Abundant life for those that would follow him. Abundant life is life lived with I own as our perspective with this ongoing expectation at any moment, right? A kairos moment could happen. Is that God could engage us, Right? in the midst of our life and bring a divine moment, an awakening, a reality of experiencing the one who creates and lives outside of time, the one and only God, a kairos moment. Now here's the deal. Revival, personal revival, starting with salvation, but also renewal that we'll talk about here in a minute because what happens is sometimes we come to faith or the church itself, the state of the church today, right, moves and slowly we move towards a a, a death, a numbness and we'll see here, we're back in Ezekiel 37 this morning to a valley of dry bones where we have stepped back from an I own perspective, stepped back from expecting God's presence and kairos moments in our life, and we get numb. We have the form of faith, but we have no power, the spirit of God, and we need renewal. We need revival. And from the beginning of Pentecost until now, this has been right the trajectory of the church. And as the church revives, so the overflow to society 
right, is impacted as well. Hence, revival to the church, to politics. If we go the other way, which is what has happened in our country today, and we let politics and our, our thoughts of politics, our, our desire, politics is lived in chronos, folks. It's up to God's people to bring a kairos, God moment, into the midst of political discussion and decisions, right? If it goes this other way, if we start seeing political, right, discussion forming the church and then affecting, right, church and then to our own soul, is that's called, that lends us quickly to a valley of dry bones. That lends us to a place of death, right? And we see throughout history, right, that that's the case. Um, I've said it before and and I stand on it. uh, I, I believe that we're in desperate need. I'm not even going to talk about our nation, but I, I, I speak as the church goes, so the nation and, and vice versa and together. And uh, I, I, I just believe that um, as a church in America, we have run and we have hid in the midst of what's happened and happening in the world. Where, where, is the ch- where is the powerful expectation of a Kairos moment? Where is the church holding on to the promises of God, standing in the gap? Where is the James 5 expectation for God to move and intervene and do something amazing? Where is the church gathered together, right, pr- standing on the promises of God to do something powerful in this time? Instead, we have flown, we have, flee- we have, we have run, and we have isolated in fear. That's a strong statement, but I stand upon it. And I think that there's a time for repentance and what we see now hopefully will be a renewal, a real understanding, a real gut check of why, well, who do I trust? Who do, where's my trust? Where's my real trust and expectation on the promise of God? How am I going to handle adversity and big all right, issues right, going on in the world? And here's, I'm going to step out further and say, but I'm here to tell you right now, we've got a lot bigger issues going on that we're dealing with the consequence right now in the world and society than COVID itself. I'm going to say it as clear as I can. Gang, suicide, emotional issues, family issues, abuse issues, economic issues. You go down the line. We're dealing right now, and I'm going to say it globally, with bigger issues than COVID. that are going to long last into generations more than this a scheme of this pandemic going on and it's time to sit back and get a kairos get an eternal view of things rather than this very narrow idea of focused on just this enemy of covid and if we've done that which we have what you're going to see is you're going to see fallout you're going to see all these other things that are happening that have long-standing impact in our world and, and before long going to wake up We've got to keep living with a faith and an I own. We've got to look at the big picture, not just one certain issue. Folks, this should be just common sense in leadership in a battle. When you're fighting a battle, if you put all your emphasis on the front line, what's going to happen to your flank? If you throw all your attention right in the battle on the front line of this is the main thing we've got to fight, and you're not thinking about the bigger picture, you're going to wake up in defeat. And you're going to lose things that for eons have been fought for right and folks this brings us back to the church in the sense of how are we viewing what's going on where's the faith where's the faith in the promises of God the one who right who can do all things and his command to his people to gather and he promises in the presence not when we're isolated when we're gathered he powerfully uniquely is present when God's people are together to do amazing things for a kairos moment, right? In the midst of all that. 
And um, instead, what happens is, is we slowly drift to a Kairos view of time. And all this is connected, right? And we stop having expectation, or we lose expectation of those Kairos moments of God intervening in answering the prayers of God's people. And revival it begins, you, you study it throughout history, is it's when God's people gathered together, always, trusting God in the midst of, of a, a ridiculous battle of a valley of dry bones. Can they live? And they stood in the gap and they trusted God and his promises and, and they moved heaven and they opened heaven, right, for God to move and right, do amazing things in the midst of that time. Um... It was 1996, and Time Magazine interviewed Bill Gates. And uh, they were talking about the efficiency of time and everything. And, and, uh, <clears throat> and Gates said that, uh, that for him, religion, when it comes to a pure e- economic process of just time allocation, resource allocation, that religion makes no sense. And that he could be doing a lot better things on a Sunday morning. Quote, I don't know where Bill Gates is today, but I would imagine he hasn't changed that perspective. But that words, there it is, that articulates as about as clear as you could a chronos view of life, right? And folks, as a believer who's been redeemed is that there's a whole radical change. But the, the sad thing is there's many in the church today in America who were stuck in Kronos, we're stuck and, and we're so consumed by this discussion of science. How about the God who transcends science? How about the God who's supernatural to bring healing? And, and throughout history of the church, you see the church responding that way, stepping into the fire with the, with the, the faith and the promises of God. Where is that happening? You see, in the early church and throughout the time when pandemics and other things, it was God's people who at the cost of their own life stepped into the battle lines and prayed expecting God to do amazing things. Where is that happening? Where is the American, does that define the American church today? Instead, let me just be blunt as I can, we're sitting around stinking talking about a definition of science and all scientific data. Now, don't get me wrong. We've got to take, that, that's important. We're not shoving that aside. But where's our greater commitment? Which, what is your faith? What is my faith built upon? Is it on the science? Or is my faith ultimately rest in the one who gave us science? Is ultimately rest upon the one who's supernatural and who desires a kairos moment? If his people, oh, if his people would humble themselves and pray and repent and turn back to him, his promise is a kairos moment if he'll come and heal the land. So do we need a revival? And start right here with me. Starts right here with me. Where's my faith? Where, where's my trust? Where, how am I viewing time and what is going on? It starts with us as individuals because unless our individual souls are revived, you can't have revival birth and spark in, in the church as it gathers together with a, a growing sense of, of... And folks, when I, I could give you stories of the Welsh revival. I could give you stories of the Hebrides revivals to, to the, in here, the Great Awakening, on and on and on, back to Pentecost. And let's just go to Pentecost. It's the same thing that's happened throughout time is when revival hits, there's an awakening first 
first, right? There's a repentance. There's a coming back to God. There's a, a, a rocking out of chronos. There's, a, there's kairos moments. There's salvation. There's renewal. It begins with the church and those who were in the form of church who thought they were believers who actually come to faith, a genuine faith of understanding who Jesus is and what it means to follow him. And what that does is that people, they gather together. The early church, they gathered every single day in Solomon's portico. Thousands of people at the risk of losing their life, persecution. And every day in everybody's home, they gathered together. Why? Because they couldn't get enough of the presence of God. It wasn't just the, the, the horizontal fellowship was important. It was the presence of God. And every single revival, everybody who's ever experienced it, I hope maybe some of you have lived and got a little taste of it. I know, uh, I know over here, we talk with Trinity a lot, I've tasted some of this. Is you, you, you just, it, you don't force people to come to church. You don't do little gimmicks. You don't entertain them. You don't, no, people are hungry because they want the presence of God. And they know you cannot have that. This is very important, gang. You cannot have it when you're isolated. You cannot have it when you are not gathering together. It's unheard of. It's not the way the Bible calls it. From the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, God has called a family. He wants a family to gather, to be with him. And he has gone overboard. He sent his only son so that we could gather in his presence physically. Folks, this is what God is doing in America. He's waking us to realize we do not understand that at all. And um, until we do, right, I don't think we won't see the changes, right, that we, we won't be broken out of this cross, right, into a kairos moments, right, that we all need. So let me just pray before I read the text here. Father, um, Lord, stir us, Lord, stir us. Stir us, Lord. And Father, we stand here on your promises this morning, and Lord, we ask you, the God, all things are possible. Lord, you're a Father, Abba. No one can snatch us out of your hands if we're redeemed by the blood of Jesus. You've moved us and transferred the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light to Ion, out of Kronos, into this eternal life, Father. Lord, as, as Paul says, better, better to live as Christ, to die as gain, is that we're to live this life, Lord, taking steps of faith for you, God, based on your promises and your calling. Lord, give us a hunger for those kairos moments. Stir us, awaken us, God. Lord, move us towards repentance, renewal, a unity, God. Father, it can't happen through politics. Politics will not unite this country, Lord, um, it's going to take a move of your spirit, Lord, among your people and overflow. Um, Lord, we just ask you, and Father, we ask you, the God who is Jehovah Rapha, the healer, Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus, Lord, may you stomp out this disease, this pandemic around the globe. May you stomp it out. Lord, for your glory, Lord, may it, may it be seen, Lord, as a supernatural favor, Lord, upon this globe, Lord, that people might turn, Lord, to you and receive your son who's waiting with open arms, with grace, Lord, to pour out forgiveness and blessing and, and eternal life, Lord. Can these dry bones live, Lord? 
the dry bones of the church in America, the dry bones of our nation, Lord. Can they live? Lord, only you know. But Lord, one thing's for sure, for revival to take place, your people must stand in the gap with expectation and prayer. Lord, awaken us to that moment, God. In Jesus' name. Ezekiel 37, the hand of the Lord was upon me, Ezekiel says, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. He set me down in the middle of the valley and it was full of bones. Ezekiel, one of the key prophets of Israel, um, they'd been a little over 10 years taken in captivity at this point. Um, the role of the prophet in the Old Testament was specifically to get a Kairos moment. They lived for the Kairos moment. They lived and they were called to be available for God to speak from heaven, to give them a word that they would give to the people to rock them out of just chronos, to bring hope and the word of God and a corrective right from God. And we see throughout history the, the 400 year dead gap between the Old Testament and the New Testament where the longing of the prophets was, we haven't heard from the Lord. Is he even speaking? It was of dead valley time, right? And we're in another one of those today. And it's going to take God's people saying, Lord, speak. We're listening. Speak. And to take up the prophetic ministry that is permeates, we'll touch base on that again, to understand the importance, right, of, of that Kairos moment of hearing God, being obedient to that word, taking it to bring a blessing, right, into the world and into people's lives. But we see here a, a Kairos moment in the middle of, of Ezekiel's day. He says, the hand of the Lord suddenly came upon me. I added the suddenly, but if you go back and you look, these were things that just, right, boom. God would just show up and heaven would open and he would take Ezekiel up and give him these visions, right, to, to give to the people of God. He takes him, it was in the spirit of the Lord and he set him in this valley and it was full of bones. And he led me around among them and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And, and we'll read at the end of this passage that this defined the state of Israel at the time. And, and, and I, Ezekiel is just like, Lord, only you, you know if they can, because it was a desperate situation. Can you imagine, right, taking a look at this vast valley and all you see is a desert and just dried up bones scattered. It's a graveyard. Can these dead bones live? Well, what would you say? If you're in a chronos time, you say, silly question. This is, this is a graveyard. And for Ezekiel, who has been um, in a, a rough ministry season as Jeremiah and others were he kept getting the voice of God he'd give it to the people with no response people the word of the Lord and the people would not rock out of Kronos they, they would not they would not uh, um, receive right the word of God they kept living the same thing kept doing the same thing they didn't turn back to God and in light of that, it kept going on and on. The prophets would come back. But if you don't turn, if you don't heed the word of God, God is going to, what? He's going to take you in exile. He's going to vamp up the, the, the trauma to awaken you because he's a loving God. And things like COVID are here 
The primary purpose of these kind of things, whether it's hurricanes or COVID, the birth pains that the scriptures speak about, one purpose is to awaken hearts to a loving God, to turn people who are hardened in chronos to God. That we need God. And it does one of two things. It either hardens hearts to hunker in and say, we're going we're gonna to fix this. We're going to hunker in with our science, our know-how, or it makes people humble and who turn to God. Lord, come. Redeem me. Do something with these dead bones. Bring life. Bring eternal life right to this. And he answered, Lord, you know. And he said to me, prophesy over these bones. <laughs> right? Say to them. Right? Now, folks, just again, picture it. Here, you know, Ezekiel's got to be going, Lord, wait a minute. You want me to speak over a bunch of dead bones? But you know what the Lord is saying to Ezekiel? It's a powerful image just like you see all through the scripture is the prophet is to look at the image and what God is saying to Ezekiel. Ezekiel, I know that the prophecy you've been giving to Israel, they haven't heed because the state of their soul is what you see there, dead bones. And so as a prophet is that, uh, and Ezekiel who, rather than saying, of course, Lord, all things are possible with you. These can live. Why didn't Ezekiel do that? Because he's worn down. Because the promise of the Pentecost, of the pouring out of the spirit and life, right? He's on the, the, the front side of, of Jesus' ministry of defeating the power of death and Pentecost, the pouring out of the spirit. If this question comes to any of us today, and, and, and whether it's, you know, Aspen, Colorado, can these dry bones live? We have no excuse but to say, because we live on this side of the resurrection of Jesus, what he's done is to say, yes, all things are possible with you, God. Yes, Lord, please, show us how. Do it. Let's be available, Right? Uh, behind, ultimately behind every Kairos moment really is this question, right, for us. Behind every movement of God into reality of God into our life, there is this, this question. Ultimately, is can these dry bones, in other words, can, can God revive this situation? Can God revive this marriage? Can God revive this relationship? Can God revive my, our soul, right? Uh, behind every question ultimately is this faith question, hey, do you believe God can bring life from death? Can God, can God bring the, 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 the dry bones of our nation? Can God wake them up again? Right? Yes, he's all about bringing life from things that are dead, right? And so he says, prophesy over these bones. Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you. You shall live and I will lay sinew upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and, and put breath in you and, and, sh and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. Why is God doing all this? From the beginning of time, what, you know, people say, well, if God was a loving God, he wouldn't allow COVID. Oh, really? Look at the history of time. It, 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 it's a, a wrong perspective. It's like, wait a minute. Why do we, why is the world fallen? Why do we have things like COVID? Why do we have destructive things in nature? It's because of, we live in a fallen world. It's because we continue from the beginning of time to do the same thing Adam and Eve did, which is we continue to what? Just sin, we, to reject God. Do our own thing. Live in Kronos. Manage our own time. We continue to do what Bill Gates said. 
that we believe that, you know what, we know better, that we're more efficient, that we have better things to do with our time, there it is, then what? Spend time with God. And folks, let me tell you, every, and, and, I, and I, I more than anyone, I think I, I wrestle with this every single day. I've got a lot to do today, Lord. I've got too much to do to spend, to not, to, to uh, right, spend time in prayer with you. That's where the rubber meets the road. Do I believe that time with God in prayer for these things is, is, is efficient, is useful? Or do I really need to get about my day because I, I can make, I got to do it. I can make it happen, right? That's it. All right, let's read on. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. And it, it behold, it was a rattling. And the, the bones came together and bone to its bone. And I looked and behold, there were sinews on them. Flesh come upon them and skin cover them. But there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy to ruach. That's the Hebrew word for wind, for spirit. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath. Breathe on these slain that they may live. And so I prophesied as he commanded, and the breath came into them, and they lived and stood on their feet. An exceedingly great army. Two stages. You'll always see this. The first stage of coming together is the form of religious form, right? It looks good. It looks like it has life, but it doesn't have life. That's religion without the Spirit of God. That would be the whitewashed tombs that Jesus said. That was, a, that was the Pharisees. They had the law, they understood, but there was no spirit, there's no life. That's the form of much of the church in America. Here's the church building. We say we believe this, we have the creeds, we even study the Bible, but there is no life. There is no spirit, there's no fire within it. You've got to have both. It's word, it's spirit. You've got to have both, right? And then he goes on to describe, this is the state of Israel, verse 11. And then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up. Our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves, raise you from your graves, O my people. I will bring you into the land of Israel and you shall know that I am the Lord and then I'll open your graves and raise you from the graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know, again, here it is, that I am the Lord. And I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. So a little biblical interpretation is important here. This is specifically for Israel. He is going to do this for Israel. Some of these things. For the church, right? We are on this side of the fulfillment of opening of the graves. Jesus, right? Defeating the power of death. We're on this side of the resurrection. Jesus defeating the power of death. The resurrection, the promise of the pouring out of the spirit at Pentecost, right? To us of what God promised to his people. He's got further things that he's going to do for Israel and for the church later on in history. That's for another message, another time. For us, it is to heed, right? The universal blessings that we can find here that we are to lay hold of and understand, right? The principle, right? Of God's blessing of his desire to awaken us and to live with him in that constant expectation, right, of the presence of God, right? Make sense? So I just have a couple things for us this morning. I'm just going to throw them out and um, for us to think about this morning. First one is Kairos moments, folks. They open heaven above, right, in holy affection. Um, excuse me, that's another thing we're going to talk about. Holy awareness, right, below. 
Holy, uh, holy awareness is something that happens in revival. It's an awakening, an awareness, again, out of Kronos into Ion. It's an awareness of what God is doing right now. So, and, and, and this is an awakening of the prophetic gift, the prophetic anointing. Remember, folks, in the New Testament, this is God's beautiful plan, is, is in the Old Testament, he gives a prophecy. He wished all of his people would be prophets. In the New Testament, after Pentecost, what is the promise? He says, now, Peter stands up and says, now, now, because of Pentecost, your sons and daughters, everyone will prophesy. Everyone will have kairos moments. Everyone needs to be available to hear from God and bring that message from God into the situation, into the moment to change eternity, to rock it out of chronos into an eternal right, perspective. This is to be, and this is part of holy awareness, awakening, right, to the voice of God. And, um, and so this idea of kairos moments is, this is what they do. They open heaven up. Make heaven clear, because chronos is just horizontal. We're just, and folks, we all know what it's like, right? We, we get about busy, we get busy in life, we get busy in life, and, and what happens is when we move to a marginless life and not lose our expectation for experience with God, and, and we might just kind of subtly think, well, I don't really need to gather with God's people, and what happens is chronos takes over, and we live on the horizontal, and what happens is heaven shuts up. And our perspective of what's going on around the world, we get more, more riled up about the, the political stuff and everything on Kronos than we do have this glorious perspective. I ask you, if someone came to you in, today and said, hey, I, I know you're a Christian. Um, I mean, can you tell me, what, what is God doing right now? What would you say? Would you have something to say to them? If they asked you, what is God doing with all this? Would you be able to, because of living a prayer life and being in touch, holy awareness, would you have something in that moment to bring to them, to bless them, right? To awaken them, hopefully out of a Kronos idea of things, into a Kairos, into the I own, into God's love and concern, right, for them that transcends everything else going on. The glory of the gospel, Jesus, right? Next thing is prayer should open heaven. And I just ask you to, to think about um, this and, and for all of us to be challenged with this is but folks, always, 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 right? You look at the Pentecost. What, what preceded Pentecost, the coming? It was, Jesus says, don't leave here. He didn't command them to pray, but what did they do? They were gathered, listened to the language. They didn't go all off to their homes and hide out because they were scared because of all everything that was going on in Jerusalem. what they do every single day? They gathered together in the upper room and they what? They prayed. God, open heaven. May your promises come true. And then 10 days later, they didn't know. They had no idea that it was going to be Pentecost when God was actually going to send his spirit. And boom, on that day, what happened? Kairos moment. Heaven opened up. The spirit of God came down. Boom, lit a fire inside the church that still we're here today because of the faithful people carrying on that fire. We're not here today for the people who fell into a very lukewarm faith and killed the church throughout the years, right? Um, and so prayer should be this. But look, folks, we have, to, uh, we have to agree and all admit, if we're really honest, that a lot of our prayer is not opening heaven. It's not bringing us to a greater holy awareness, right? 
That's a different kind of prayer. That's learning how to really pray with upon the promises of God. Lord, do something. Open up heaven. To, right? we're, we're, we're pleading. We're interceding. We're, we're praying, God, to move mountains. We're praying for these dry bones to live. And I just ask you, in your prayer life, is underneath all that, whether you're praying for a person, a, a, a job location, or whatever it is, is the, below all that, is there a praise of vitality? God, bring life to this family. Bring life to this marriage. Lord, bring life to these dry bones over here here into this neighborhood into this city right and I want to challenge us all with something um folks I'll just give you my own my own story is is I'll use this illustration just going to get groceries which um for me is a challenge but um so I have an amazing wife um okay go get this and this it's on this aisle this aisle and 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 I I kind of take the hunter mentality I'm like okay I'm gonna go conquer I'm gonna get in I'm gonna get out right? And that's how I shop too, right? So if I do that, and this happens all the time to me, I get in that mode and it's a chronos mode. I got to go accomplish that goal and I got to get out. Check, done, right? What happens? Nothing happens. I go, I get groceries, I come home. But here is a different approach. The approach that God would have me do And apply this to anything. Okay, great. I'm going to go get some groceries. Lord, on my way into town, may you use this opportunity for me. I'm available. Whoever I run into, whatever you want me to do, I want to be a catalyst for a Kairos moment. Let me be patient. Let me be wholly aware of what is going on around me. Not just my little world, which happens to me all the time. Like, I got to get my groceries, just me. And just passing by people, no eye contact, no whatever. Just, just you know what I mean? Lord, I want to be wholly aware. Is there a person I can help? Is there a person I can even buy groceries for? Lord, whatever you call me to do, I'm available. I'm telling you right now, God moves. And when I do that, when you do that, amazing things happen. That's living in I own. That's living eternal life. That's partnering with God. That is crashing into Kronos and blowing somebody's world up with a Kairos moment to be able to bless them, love them, engage them, pray for them. If you're praying for anybody in the grocery store, I, I love it when I see people, right? I was like, yes, Kairos moment happening over there, right? Lord, keep, keep them going, right? Apply that to anything you do and the way you go to work in the morning, the way you, w- way you walk through your neighborhood, Right? Is there this awareness, folks, this is the seeds of revival. This is what God is longing for. But if I'm stuck in Kairos, you know, I, I'm never going to get there. And it begins with my prayer. Am I prayerfully aware? Or am I just driving down the road because I got to get done? And honestly, that's, that, I got to really fight against that. Right? No, Lord. Man, I'm going to relax. I'm with you. Let's just, let's just go. Let's see what happens. Right? Make sense? Kairos moment. Prayer, Lord, it prepares the way, folks, to speak the word and spirit of God into situations. Here's the deal, folks. Preaching this morning, I can stand up here to you and I can preach this word. And maybe for some, that's what's all that's going to happen is you're going to hear Ezekiel and you're going to hear some things from the words and promises of God. And, and that's all that's going to be here. The form of religion, the form of your faith is just going to be built up. Ah, checkbox, I did my deal. I went to church. I heard a little word. I gained a little knowledge, maybe. I heard a little bit about revival. Okay, good, boom. 
That's the word. That's the form only. But we know in the scripture, this is what Paul pleaded with. Lord, when I speak, let there be a demonstration of your power, not just the word, but let there be the, the reality of the presence of God, the Holy Spirit taking that word and bringing it alive. And so again, prayer, folks, it, in, as we move towards revival, this renewal, it's an awakening to realize, man, I need the, I need the spirit of God. It's just, just my Bible study. And this is where we get into our own life and examine it. Is my time in the Word? Is my time alone with God? Am I experiencing a Kairos moment? Am I experiencing the presence of the living God? And as a church, we need to come and say, are we experiencing when we gather together his promise of being manifestly present among us to do the impossible, to change hearts, to heal hearts, right? All of that. Or are we just here in the form of faith? Folks, we need the Spirit of God. And the only way He comes is He welcome. Is He welcome here? Right? Is He welcome? That's revival. It's where there's enough people, right, that come in and say, Lord, we want your presence more than anything. And that's church. That's a renewal. I believe that's what God is doing today is we have a thousand other agendas about church. We should have one. An audience of one. And only when we come to church, Lord, we're here to enjoy your presence and to bring a sacrifice of praise. That's it. Everything else is completely secondary to that issue. But we in America have been so consumed with a thousand other things rather than pleasing him, being his people, they're expected to enjoy his presence and to just worship him with abandonment and expect the unexpected. He's going to move. He's going to change lives. He's going to touch lives. He's going to convict on and on and on, right? All right, so prayer, it prepares the way, right, for this. When the church gathers, folks, it is a kairos moment. I already touched base on this. As we see, I believe there's another thing that God is doing, right, big time, with a, a conviction, with the need to, for the church to awaken today. Uh, I, I'm sorry, but I will speak. Uh, I, I, I do not understand my brothers out there that are shutting church down. I don't understand for the life of me. God's word could not be any clear, gather, even at the cost of persecution and losing your life. Gather, it is in that context and only that context that the manifest presence of God is among God's people and does the miraculous. Only in that context. And this is something, honestly, theologically, that I believe most of the church in America does not understand. They think you can continue to watch online. They think you can just, we can go and run and isolate in fear and still be the church. Nowhere is that in the scriptures. It's not an option. It is only when God's people gather, and we see it in the early church, we see it throughout history in the midst of a thousand times worse issues than we're dealing with right now, right? We see God's people by faith and they, and they run to the problem, wherever the issue was. They had faith and they stepped into it even at the loss of their life because they lived like Paul did to live as Christ, to die as gain. Gain. It's not some, you know, oh, well, God's gonna protect me or whatever, but we should live that way. You know, the Old Testament promise to God's people was divine health. Do you know that God, the whole covenant was, I will, if you obey me, walk with me, I will bring divine health over you. We live in a new covenant that's a thousand times better than the old covenant. Where are God's people laying hold of that promise? Where are God's people doing that? Lord, we stand, we live in a fallen world, we're going to get sick, we're, things are going to happen. 
you know, but I, I'm not going to let fear guide me, Lord. If I get sick, you know what I trust? I trust that some of you are going to pray for me and I'm going to get well. If I, it gets worse and I go to the hospital, I trust that you are going to pray for me and lay hands on me that I'm going to get well. Okay, listen to me. If I die, I trust, I know. There are people in this body who will come pray over my dead body. If I die then, guess what? I'm with the Lord. I'm with the Lord. Now, so, uh, uh, folks, where is that kind of simple Shadmak, Meshach, and Abednego faith to understand how to live this life, trust the power of God? regardless of the consequences that, that we're dealt with, we're not saying we go again, we're not saying being rebels or anything like that, but we're saying there's a time to obey God. There's a time to obey God over anything else. And it's only when that kind of faith upholds the church that God moves. Otherwise, he step back and go, okay, you just, you, you, you're gonna handle this in a chronos way. You're gonna put more, listen to me, you're going to put more faith in science than you are in the one Thank you for listening to this message. To hear other messages or learn more Folks, about Crossroads Church, visit we our thank website at ccaspen.com. But when you know what? We have a higher calling and trust. It's the one who gave us science. Okay? Does that make sense, gang? Right? The church has got to gather. Small groups, big groups, whatever. Right, just like we see throughout history. All right, my political moment. I know some of you are like, oh no. Um, <laughs> remember, we're talking revival, church, and politics. So here we go, all right? Oh, we got a big week ahead. Um, <clears throat> policy. Here, listen to this, folks. Take it with you. Policy over politics, people over policy, okay? Policy over politics, people over policy. If we understand that, that's the biblical way. In other words, I first begin, I don't get wrapped up in politics that's power, that has all kinds of wrong motives, that's blah, 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 that's a total mess up with the media right now. I need to, as we've talked about, right, is vote with conviction, not with emotion. Emotion gets involved, it'll never be good. It must be with conviction. That means I need to be aware of policy. I need to be thoughtful. I need to be studied. I need to engage. I need to sit down with you, especially, I love the conversations I'm having with people right now who are just on the complete opposite end of politics, maybe, that I am. And man, just to be able to talk honestly, wow, I understand that. Man, that's insightful. That's good. Let's bring that back to the word. Let's talk about that. But here's the deal. Make sure it's people over policy. Even if I feel so strongly, you feel so strongly about a certain policy, is make sure that the people are put first. Right? Their heart, their soul. That's what God cares about most is redeeming a people. Therefore, if I'm going to partner with God, I need to care more about the person than I do about my politics or my policy. Make sense? So here's the last thing to leave you with. All right, here you go. Here you go. Are you ready? Are you ready this week if your candidate loses? Whichever side you're voting on. Are you ready if your candidate loses? Does that make sense? Our hope cannot be in this candidate or that candidate. Our hope ultimately is in the God of all creation. The one who's got the kings in his hand like water and he moves it where he wants. Proverbs 21, right? And so I think we need to prepare, right? 
And we need to honestly think about that because we as the church in America, we need to rise up and we need to respond appropriately, right? So that whatever, however it goes down is that whether we're on the winning side or losing side, that we respond as good citizens, as followers of our ultimate hope is with God. Whoever's in that office, if it's who I didn't want in the office, I still honor that person. I honor the office. I respect the person, right? And we learn to live civilly and understand and dialogue with each other in this land. Does that make sense? And let's pray, folks. Derek, come on up. Um, let's pray, right? Let's pray for peace, understanding. Um, pray against any evil forces that would bring confusion into the process. Uh, any evil forces that would rob liberty and abuse power and on all sides, right? For the glory of God in this time. And so um, I'm just going to pray for us. And then just as we close out, just maybe a couple of you just... The Lord leads, just come and um, pray for us. Pray for us. Um, let's just blanket this, this week, right, this process over our, our nation and hearts, right? Hearts. Father, we love you. Lord, stir our hearts, God. Stir us, Lord. Rock us, Lord, out of Kronos, out of this view of time that's so limited. Lord, you saved us, Lord, to eternal life, a whole new Holy awareness, God. Holy Spirit, break in. Break in, Lord, your church. Revive your church, Lord. Revive your children, God. Lord, we do, we ask for your mercy on our nation, Lord. We ask for your peace. We don't deserve it, Lord. God, Lord, we have, we have just... We have condoned the things you hate, God. Father, forgive us. Lord, all we can do is ask for mercy, peace, God, unity. Let your church rise up as that healing agent, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, move among us. Rock us, stir us. Rattle our bones, Lord. Thank you.